electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. Put this one in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Maybe it takes a darned recession to beat this damnable disease. Maybe it even needs a bear market. Which is where we are today after the Dow plunged 1,465 points. S&P plummeted 4.9%. NASDAQ nosedived 4.7%. The coronavirus is the ultimate exogenous event. It's a public health crisis that's wreaking havoc all over the country. And it hasn't even infected that many people yet. But we know it will because it's spreading exponentially. Think of the stages. First, many people thought it couldn't happen here. Then they thought we could keep it out by blocking travel from China. Then they thought it could be contained. Then as it kept spreading, we were told it was no big deal. There were so few cases, so few deaths. Why all the fuss? A lot of authority figures, including the president of the United States, seemed incredulous. Then everything fell apart. We started getting reports of people being stricken who hadn't even been to China. We discovered the term community spread. We heard about the outbreak in Washington state of, then the suburbs of New York, then the uh, Boston Biogen fiasco. It dawned on us that when they say novel, as in novel coronavirus, novel means we have no immunity to it. We have no vaccine if you don't to try not to get it. We have no Tamiflu once you get it. We're all babes in the woods against this unseen nightmare. Novel? Yes, yeah, a Stephen King novel, all right. Now we're canceling schools, including colleges. We're canceling big public events. We're stockpiling mass test kits. Anything that can protect us, they call it mitigation. So now what? With the market in tatters, with fear everywhere as we hunt for our Purell bottle, and alcohol and toilet paper, what happens next? Well, there are two ways I can do this. Two ways for me to play it. Oh, I could pile on once again. You know, everybody had to tell you it's all over. Get out. Just skedaddle. It'd be easy to say the bear's back, the bull's dead, and so you got to sell. I heard that a lot. 
Or I could offer a contrary, more constructive view. Keep in mind that things can still and occasionally do go right. Tonight, maybe just to bust the gloom a little, I want to take that second approach, constructive one. Why? Because I have been bearish for a month and a half now. I started warning you about the coronavirus from the moment I first heard this thing. You know, I went to the Super Bowl. I wanted to see the Super Bowl. I came home. I came before I could even see one minute of the game. So I can play a tape the next morning of one of my favorite investors, David Tepper, under the Carolina Panthers, taught me a lot at Goldman Sachs, saying that the world has changed and changed for the worst, maybe much worse. And that's been my watchword ever since. I, I, I've told you repeatedly that I hated the oil stocks, for instance, the worst of all stocks, with the exception of the cruise lines. I told you they were uninvestable over and over again, and particularly the oil leader to the downside, the pathetic Occidental Pete, down 71% for the year. Egads, an institutional name, no less. Yet now, everyone I know, everyone I go, everywhere I go, people have given up. They want to sell everything. They want me to tell you to sell everything. Maybe you want me to tell you. Uh-uh, I'm not going to. No. See, you don't need m- more bearishness from me. You need to know what could happen that would make me positive. So what could still go right? Well, let me start with a caveat that's so important because we're a business network. The Federal Reserve is not on the list. Despite the insistence of endless money managers that the Fed can help, I don't want, I want to provide liquidity for whatever the hell's going on with those repos, but it, over and over again, I hear that they can help. They can't. It, it, it just doesn't matter. It's moot. You can't solve a darn public health crisis with monetary policy, for heaven's sake. If the Fed wants to do something useful, go buy some mortgage-backed bonds, because I got news for you. The 30-year mortgage, which I'm in the process of getting, those rates stopped going down a long time ago, despite plummeting Treasury yields. I, I'm getting a deal that's much worse than when the Treasuries were, too. Honestly, I'm not ever sure the president can help if the only thing he can get done are a payroll tax cut and some loans to tide sick people over. Uh, those aren't bad ideas, but they probably won't be enough to move the needle. Uh, payroll tax cut, we've got to be on payroll to get it cut. We need massive fiscal stimulus to save us from an even deeper recession than I think we're going to have. So what can go right, okay, that actually matters? I'm going to give you some right stuff. First, we need to flatten the curve of the outbreak. Most Americans will probably get this disease, but when we get it, it uh, when we get it matters. When? If everyone gets it at once, our health care system will be overwhelmed like we're seeing in Italy. We wanted it to be more like South Korea, where they slowed the spread and got the situation under control with great alacrity and ingenuity, like drive-through testing to encourage people to catch it early. We can't even find tests in New York City, despite what you hear about in Washington. You, you don't get one unless you're on death's door, it seems. That means we need to calmly start separating ourselves. You've heard these terms, right? The separation, the crowd getting away from them, stop gathering, stop going out, that kind of stuff. Uh, no fans at NCAA games, done. No more college. Done. That's right. No more late night talk show crowds. Done. Uh, Anything to stop congregating, maybe including NBA baseball, NBA and uh, and Major League Baseball and any and all conventions and fundraisers, reunions, you name it. Stop traveling, for heaven's sakes, unless it's truly essential. If we do that, we can beat COVID-19. Okay, it's going to cause a recession. I told you that. Many people will be hurt financially, but our healthcare system won't be overwhelmed and a lot more sick people will live. So stop acting like everything's normal because it's not. Work remotely if possible. It won't kill you to stay home. It actually might save you. Two, our scientists could still solve this. Dr. Tony Fauci, who helped turn AIDS from a death sentence into a manageable condition, he's given us the straight dope the whole way. He's never said the virus is under control, not once. He's hopeful we'll get a vaccine for next year. Unfortunately, 
They take a long time to develop. In the interim, maybe we can come up with an antivirals that uh, get people out of the hospital faster. Uh, that's why I want the government to put itself on war footing to stop this thing. Get a Manhattan Project going, for heaven's sake. Offer a huge prize to anyone who comes up with a cure. More realistically, we need to flood local community health organizations with the billions of dollars they're going to need to do their jobs. Think the Marshall Plan for Community Health. We need a Malcolm X approach to this thing, as in by any means necessary. I mean, we want to hear that Regeneron or Gilead have novel drugs to fight a novel virus. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Third, maybe we're going to get a break with the weather. Now, we don't know whether this virus, what it'll do when it gets warm, although it's still striking people in warmer climes. But if we slow the spread, flatten the curve, maybe we can get to the summer without horrific casualties and overwhelming the public health system. Fourth, we need something major from the federal government. Yeah, something really brilliant here. Not a payroll tax cut. That's a ho-hum. That only helps people who are currently working. We need to pay people to not work. Maybe we give them 1500 bucks each, some kind of moratorium on student loans. How about that? That's seven trillion bucks. Moratorium. Think about that. How about a sovereign wealth fund to buy companies that get bankrupted by the disease for pennies on the dollar? At this point, you need to think outside the box. None of the other stuff, the tired stuff. That doesn't work. This is different. With interest rates so low, the government can get away with spending fortunes here. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Again, whatever it takes as the rates are the lowest ever anyway. Fifth, maybe we're going to get some positive breaks actually on the business front. We need it when you look at the stock market. Hey, what if Boeing gets approval to fly the 737 MAX? What the heck do they have to do with Boeing? I mean, that could be huge. Even if there's not going to be a lot of demand from airlines at this point, maybe the stocks of companies yielding 4 or 5% will find bottoms because not all the dividends are phony. Some are safe. All right, that could go what's right. That could go right. I mean, this could happen. It's not pie in the sky. All that said, I'm still pretty bearish about the averages. I'm convinced this market won't really stop declining until we fall to the lows from December of 2018. That's the last time we thought we were headed for a recession. Those levers are still a long way off, unfortunately. S&P 500 currently at 2741. Well, it, it could find a floor at, say, 2350. Dow went to 21712 last time, 21,712. Now it's got 23,553. Okay, not that far from here. Of course, many stocks will bottom before those levels, and that's why you need to pick at them. That's why we still talk about stocks worth buying on the show. If you, why we say there's still a bull market somewhere. If you need money for the next year or two, maybe wait for the next bounce and actually sell something until you have enough cash for your own peace of mind. Otherwise, though, I think you should be putting your cash to work slowly, picking at the slowdown stocks, the drugs, the utilities, and some of the higher growth tech names that don't need a strong economy. And, of course, please, if you don't own gold, I mean, I know I'm a broken record gold. Buy gold. Bottom line. Okay, there's uh, nothing more important than trying to stay home. Wash your hands and get your supplies. If you need to go out, wash your hands some more. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Don't shake hands. Hopefully we can stagger this thing out and our scientists will come up with something to stop or at least slow the spread. I know. I know. It's not much to hang your hat on. And it includes a recession. It's the best we can do. Chuck in Arizona. Chuck. Hi, Jim. How are you? I've been better. How about you there, partner? Uh, first time caller, long time watcher. Watch you in the morning on the stocks, watch you at night. There you the go. The question is, Jim, I bought stocks with the UPS. I'm in the house of pain here. I bought it at 119 so I'm down about 30% on it. I now watch it down to about 88 My question is, you think I should buy some Marty's? A wise woman by the name of Karen Kramer always told me it's not where it came from. It's where it's going to. 
That stock yields 4.5%. They can afford to pay that dividend, I think. It's down 25%. I would use stages to buy it. at 87 now. Probably next stage would be 82 and then 76. That's a buy, not a sell. Do not give up with David Abney or a great American company. Debbie in Ohio. Debbie. Hi, Jim. How are you? All right. How about you? Doing fine. Um, my question has to do with uh, health insurance uh, stocks. Right. Um, pr- President Trump uh, met with the health insurance officials and said that the industry would waive fees for testing for the COVID drivers. Right. And also assure treatments were covered. Do you feel the health insurance stocks are a good investment? I think they're a better investment than they were because of the potential demise of the uh, uh, of the Bernie campaign, because he was so much against them. These stocks have run up tremendously in the idea that Biden's going to be the nominee and not Bernie. So they're going to have to cool off. And when they cool off, we're going to take a hard look at them. They haven't cooled off yet. Let's go to Lou in New York, please. Lou. Hi, Jim. How are you today? Well, Lou, it's been a long day, frankly. How about you? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, hey, I'm a long-term stockholder of a REIT you're very familiar with, Ventas. Yeah. I've been averaging down from the 50s range to today's below 40 close. Do you still believe in the Ventas growth I story over the next five to ten years? And do you think that it is still keep the uh, very important? I'm worried story? about Ventas. I, you know, I like Deb Kafar. I called her bankable in the last book, book I wrote. But I've got to tell you, the numbers have not been good. She revised her forecast. And then I even read a piece yesterday, obviously, about some of the health risks at nursing homes. So... Tough. Tough. All right. Look, there are, are two ways to play the ultimate exogenous event here. Uh, there's a, that is the coronavirus. I think you should be putting your cash to work very, very slowly in some of the names that we've suggested. There's two stocks out of the Dow 30 that I like, but I like them. I mean, everybody tonight, if cruise lines and restaurants and retailers and airlines and oils are all in trouble, what does it mean for the bank stocks? Let me give you my take. Then with the Dow officially in bear market mode, I'm going stock by stock and helping you make sense of the index. Yeah, like I said, there's some things to like. And after another dramatic sell-off, is it time to start being more constructive when searching for actual buying opportunities? So I'm going to eye an under-the-radar software company that has no economic sensitivity that I think could be worth considering. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. the bank stocks so darn vulnerable every time the market rolls over. We saw it again today. The averages get hammered and the financials were crushed. They were bent. They were spindled and they were mutilated. The reason? Well, let's puzzle over this. Banks aren't like the cruise lines that might be banning their core customers, the elderly, for safety reasons. As I keep telling you, the last place you want to be during a pandemic is a cruise ship. It'll be a long time before the industry comes back from this. The banks aren't like the oils either, a group that's in the crosshairs of both Russia and Saudi Arabia in a vicious price war. The decline in crude was so swift that the beleaguered Occidental Petroleum's already had to shred its dividend. I'm betting others will follow. The banks aren't like the retailers or the restaurants, which are likely to suffer as fewer people go out and the stay-at-home economy takes over. They're not like the airlines with gigantic capital costs, something that comes back to bite you whenever you, nobody wants to travel. While the airlines are indeed better capitalized than they were in the old days, they never seem to have enough cash to tide themselves over through these periods when people stop flying. And they're certainly uh, like the big industrials and technology companies that are finding it hard to close deals as enterprises frantically cut back on capital spending to preserve cash and face-to-face meetings. Well, now they're hard to come by. So let's see. If the banks don't have any of these problems, why are their stocks such dogs? Simple. They might not be suffering like the cruise lines or the oil producers or the retailers or the restaurants or the airlines or the industrials. But you know what all those groups have in common? They owe the banks a lot of money. And now, because of the flattened yield curve, the banks are making risky loans. It could be ridiculously low uh, prices or interest rates. Now, let me put this in context. On Monday, one of our absolute favorite companies, but not the stock, Norwegian Cruise Lines, borrowed $675 million from J.P. Morgan. They're a client, and J.P. Morgan is going to help its clients survive through tough times and good times, as the spokesperson from the bank explained. They're good bankers. That's what they do. But what happens if the virus keeps raging and the customers don't come back to Norwegian? Filing show Norwegian has $6 billion in long-term debt. While it is a very well-run company, uh, our government's chief epidemiologist, Dr. Tony Fauci, is saying the elderly should avoid cruises. Well, that's something that's not exactly inspiring uh, for the elderly, or for that matter, younger people either. It doesn't help that so many of these ships seem like floating petri dishes or even hospital ships from the look at them. They're just behemoth, frightening masses. Sure, the president has pledged to help troubled industries like the cruise lines. Maybe look at what low interest loans from the government. Although I don't know whether that would fly with anyone in Congress, a bailout of the cruise lines. 
It's not, some of them aren't even flagged here. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, who gets hurt? Well, I'd say it's the lenders, like J.P. Morgan. Every one of these industries takes down debt. Every one of these industries is, shall we say, suspect now. If cruise lines and restaurants and retailers and airlines and oils are in trouble, well, so are the bankers. Think of it like this. If I owe you a million dollars, oh, that's a me problem. If I owe you billions of dollars, well, guess what? That's a you problem. You know, when I first read that, by the way, I was thinking uh, Donald Trump when I was reading about him in the casinos as president. Now, you could argue the banks are scrubbed clean since the Great Recession. They have plenty of fees. They're lean as all get out. Many now have bountiful yields, but that's because their stocks have fallen so much. And if necessary, they can stop buying back stock to fund those dividends. But in the end, the ugly yield curve and the risky loans going, well, let's just say the risk of those loans going bad. Well, I mean, therefore, the stocks could be awful investments. And I've owned a couple for my charitable trust. It's crushing me. Now, it won't always be this way. Our banks are the best banks in the world. The European banks are a joke compared to ours. Our banks have oodles of cash. They were recapitalized during the Great Recession. Nevertheless, here's the problem. I cannot figure out how to value them right now with all these industries struggling that are their clients. And from the looks of things, no one else can either. Stick with Kramer. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You cannot hide in the Dow Jones Industrial Average here. It's too unforgiving. But you can use the Dow's 30 components as a gauge of what kind of stock can be bought on the way down here. And that's why we've been going through this whole index this week. Ten on Monday, ten yesterday, and ten more today. And by the way, we will tell you at the end which ones we still like. Sorry about that momentary bit of levity. I had to do that because, like you, I'm pretty depressed. Now, remember... I think there's a very real chance of a coronavirus-induced recession here. I hate to say that, but look, with that in mind, why don't we go through the final 10 stocks in the Dow? Well, first we got Pfizer. Wow, finally, a textbook example of the kind of stock you want to buy here. A pharmaceutical company with a 4.7% yield and cheap price journeys multiple. Pfizer's having off some dowdy businesses with drugs that are about to go off patent. And when the deal is done later this year, well, you're going to have a brand new company with much faster growth. Nice catalyst. I like it. 
Second, Procter & Gamble. Now, Procter's already told us there could be downside to its numbers thanks to COVID-19. They said that at a conference earlier this year. Uh, But any company that's called out, the damage is likely to be favored of those who haven't. Wall Street likes certainty. certainty. While Procter's down more than 10% for the year, and I love its products, it only yields 2.7 here. Ah, Stocks had a big run from the bottom. For the moment, I think it's in no man's land. I say it would be worth buying at lower levels but not here. Third, speaking of no case to own, there's Travelers, giant insurance company. Problem with insurance is they take your premiums and then invest it to get a better return. But they can't get much return from bonds these days. And the stock market, well, obviously, that's a disaster area. I suspect the numbers for Travelers are just too high. You can't own stocks where the numbers are too high and you get estimate cuts. No to Travelers. Fourth, United Technologies. It's about to merge with Raytheon and then split the company into an aerospace and defense business, an elevator business, and a climate control business. Now, there was a time when I absolutely adored this deal. Aerospace, China, construction, controlling energy costs. Oh, great. Now, aerospace is hostage to the ailing Boeing and, of course, to the ailing airlines. The elevator business, well, it needs Chinese growth. It's not there. And who cares about controlling energy costs when oil and gas prices have plummeted? Plus, this really isn't the kind of business you want to own going into a recession. No thanks. Fifth, United Health. Well, just when the insurance cohort was catching fire, thanks to the apparent demise of Bernie Sanders, well, at least the presidential campaign, right? I mean, he's still in, but I don't regard it as viable. We get hit with the coronavirus, which makes their earnings uncertain. However, I'm betting UNH can navigate these troubled waters. I think this company's sensational. But its stock was a lot lower just a few weeks ago. So there's risk here. Maybe if you want to, you can buy some here. But then you got to leave a ton of room. It trades very erratically, too. So I don't know. To me, you leave room at lower levels just in case the Joe Biden euphoria from the potential end of Bernie Sanders' campaign stops. Six, Verizon. Okay, here, finally. This is my favorite stock in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It has virtually no earnings risk and supports a a very reasonable and safe 4.5% yield. Plus, the government blessed that T-Mobile Sprint merger, which should allow the whole industry to raise prices down the road. I know, I know, Sprint and T-Mobile said that wasn't their intention, but that's the whole point of acquiring competitors in the end. Probably bad for wireless consumers like you, but good for wireless investors like, well, maybe you. Think of Verizon as an extremely well-run utility at a time when that's exactly what you want to own. You should buy it here and double down if it sinks to 49, where it would yield 5%. Seventh, Visa. Credit card kickback, but real earnings risk. At least uh, management was able and told you and admitted it. Uh, and that's allowing them to get ahead of the damage, which is what you want. Nothing like de-risking by telling the truth. And the truth is that a coronavirus-induced recession means less consumer spending, which is bad news for Visa. However, the stock's already fallen from 214 to 173 in a matter of weeks. So is the weakness baked in? No. No way. Visa's got a paltry dividend. Stock's still expensive, selling for 28 times earnings. That definitely doesn't reflect a worldwide slowdown. I can easily see Visa trading down to where it was a year ago, 150 and change, possibly even lower. Eighth is Walgreens. Oh, man, what a bad stock. Uh, nothing but trouble. It's a retailer that's being ripped to shreds by Amazon on the front part and the prescriptions in the back. Well, who the heck knows? On the other hand, it does have a 4% yield. It sells for nearly eight times earnings. Seems tempting. Well, there's only one problem. I just don't think Walgreens can hit the earnings estimates for this year, for next year. Any company that misses earnings will find its stock going lower no matter what the dividend is. 
Having a high yield and a low price earnings multiple is not protection here. I want growth. Walgreens doesn't have it. Believe me, that dividend will not protect you. I'd much rather own CVS, which has a small 3.3% yield, but offers you real growth thanks to its merger with Aetna, the health insurance titan. Now, ninth, Walmart. Okay, this is a stock I've been a big fan of, but right now it's too low. It's kind of like the Procter & Gamble with small yield. People keep gravitating to the stock, though, and, and with good reason. One of my absolute favorite strategists, David Costin, he's over at Goldman Sachs. He was on uh, Squawk this morning. Uh, just did some excellent work demonstrating that Walmart outperforms in the event of a downturn. And a downturn is absolutely where we're headed. Costin is about as bearish as I am. He, he, we're kindred. He's using a base uh, case that's pretty close to the levels I've been lo- looking for. Remember, I'm telling you that we're going to go back to the late uh, lows, late December 2018 lows of the Jerome Powell bear market when he narrowly threw us in recession. Right now, Walmart's at 114. Back then, it's bottomed at 85. Okay, it's a change company. It's better. Since those lows, Walmart's delivered a series of upside surprises, developed an online strategy that I really like, can compete with Amazon, using its stores as virtual warehouses. Well, uh, the, st- the staff, the stores, they've never looked better. I went to one recently. Wow. And that's why the stock climbed to 125 it's high, at its highs last November. It's only down 11 bucks for those levels, though. And that is the problem in a nutshell. I love Walmart, but its stock needs to come down more before you can start picking at it. Maybe you start at 110 then buy some more at 105 and then 100 and then triple down at 95 I don't see it going that later, but you've got to do that. You've got to think like that. Finally, there's Walt Disney. Painful. I love Disney. The company's been amazing in producing hit movies, theme park rides. But for years, it was weighed down by its cable business, especially ESPN, which had been a gigantic profit center before cord cutting became the thing. Last year, though, Disney turned things around with the rollout of their highly successful streaming service, Disney Plus, and the stock caught fire. Phenomenal winner. But then COVID-19 came along, obliterating the stock, because who wants to go to Disney World or even a movie theater during a pandemic? I fear they might even have to close the parks to contain the outbreak. And and that's why Disney's been so ravaged. But once the pandemic ends, I'm betting the stock will be incredible. We're waiting for that other shoe to drop from my charitable trust, which is the potential of the theme parks closing. You can follow what I'm up to by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. And I think Disney could sink below 100 if the parks are closed. Now, we did sell a lot much higher. We're going to buy it back in the 90s. Actually, I can't wait. Put it all together, and you've got a clear picture of what's safe and what isn't. Now, let's just sum up what we've done for the last few days. 30 stocks, right? And out of the 30 stocks in the Dow, only Coca-Cola, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, IBM, J&J, J.P. Morgan, Merck, Microsoft, Pfizer, United Health, and Verizon make even any kind of sense here. But with the exception of Pfizer and Verizon, just two stocks. Well, the rest you have to wait till they come lower before you buy them. Just two. Two out of 30. I, I like Walmart and Disney Apple if they came down a bit more, too. But that's it. The bottom line, well, you can start picking at a couple of the high-yielding, less cyclical Dow components. And, you know, that's there's only two of them. Um, I think the rest are headed lower. And I don't like you trying to catch the uh, – we keep it here for these fabled moments. The rest of the Dow, well, here you go. Falling knife. Jonathan in New York. Jonathan. Jim. Alibaba, what do we think? Alibaba, the Chinese market seems to be chilling out a little bit. They haven't dropped as much as some of the other tech stocks, but it seems like they got a lot of potential. They also have the online shopping boost um, that you spoke about with Amazon. Alibaba, what do we think? Well, uh, you're, you're right. Jimmy Schultz says Bob is okay. It's the only Chinese stock I'm recommending. Now, China is amazingly ahead of us in this disease that came from China, and that's because they uh, did some draconian moves to contain it. 
Um, Alibaba is going to do well. Wow. Okay, let's go to Scott in Florida. Scott. Jimmy Chill, a big bubba booyah from sunny Boca Raton. Well, I got to tell you, man, do you know who used to love Boca Raton? My former partner, Larry Cuddle. He used to talk about it all the time. What's going on? First of all, I just want to thank you for keeping us sane through all the turbulent times and reminding us to never panic. I thank heard you. you talk a lot about AbbVie this week, which I currently own. Yes. Today, I'm asking for Dr. Kramer's diagnosis on sister company and dividend aristocrat Abbott Labs. Well, Miles White, built, Miles White built a – he's a titan. And now he's a chairman. He's going to be giving up a CEO role to Robert Ford. The stock's down 2 and $7. It is – it's a marvelous stock, and if you wanted to buy again, I like the medical device companies. Remember, I like drug stocks, medical device companies, and I like the super high growth, and I like the utilities, and the rest I'm going to have to sell to you. And Abbott is one of them that I like, and I think that people of all ages should like Abbott Labs. All right. Now, I know there's not that much to work with here. I mean, I did find, come on, I did find two. I got the Pfizer and the Verizon. Two out of 30 ain't bad. Uh, you can pick at the uh, higher yielding, less cyclical down names too, but uh, n- not not all at one level. Okay, much more. Man. By the way, this is the problem, right? That I have two out of thirty that I really that I say you can buy tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to get a firsthand look at the financials of fintech during the recent market volatility. They, they've even hit fintech here, but don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of SSNC. Man, as the market continues getting hit, I'm on the hunt for stocks that can work even a much tougher environment. Tonight, I'm revealing a newly minted company that can work here. Wow. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's never tiring, always enthusiastic lightning round. So stay with Kramer. Now that the market's down more than 20% from its highs, you need to be in a more constructive frame of mind. I know that's tough when everything's getting annihilated, but this is when we start looking for opportunities, which brings me to one that you probably never heard of. It's called SS&C Technologies. It's a software company that helps financial service providers and healthcare companies by giving them the tools they need to automate huge swaths of their business. Everything from back office functions like accounting, reporting, processing, and clearing to front office functions like trading and modeling. Here's a stock that was on fire before the coronavirus meltdown. Now, a month ago, SS&C reported an excellent quarter, solid guidance, good growth. Then a few days later, the market started rolling over. In the past three and a half weeks, the stock's lost 31% of its value, even though the business really shouldn't be that impacted by a corona-induced slowdown. That's what's happening in the stock market, though. Their software just really helps companies automate, for heaven's sake. It's got no credit risk. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Bill Stone the founder and CEO of SNC Technologies, that's SNC Technologies, to get a better sense of how his company's doing and how it's navigating for customers during a period of heightened volatility. Mr. Stone, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks a lot, Jim. How have you been? Well, I, I've been better, frankly, because our viewers are not making money, but you're a keeper of a lot of different assets. You see a lot without that credit risk. What are you seeing, sir? Well, Jim, I think as, as everybody knows, the volatility has gotten people a, a little bit spooked. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing people kind of hunker down. At the same time, a lot of our investment uh, organizations are some of the smartest people in the world. And, you know, they're looking for opportunities. 
Well, I think that's important because we are now, I think, in a mode where that's gripped by panic and by fear. You have some very sophisticated investors. You obviously, as the administrator, keep track of everything. I am sure that there's still money coming in. There's still people doing something. Your clients aren't frozen. Exactly. And, you know, it, you know, you and I are both here and, and we're getting paid to do this. Right. right. So I, I think some of the things that people realize is money still being made and and, and, you know, after we've got enough refrigerators, we generally put it in some sort of financial asset. Now, you did have tremendous organic growth in the fourth quarter, one of the fastest growers uh, that I follow in the financial tech industry. Well, we, you know, as I said, we, we want some great deals and, you know, we got a great sales force that work really hard at it. And, and you know, so far we're plowing through Q1 as best we can and, and, and we have some optimism. Has the uh, acquisition you made... Uh, algorithmics from IBM. First of all, how did that come about? Because many of us probably didn't know that IBM had that. But how is that fitting into your plans in uh, 2020 so far? Well, we really feel that the algorithmics uh, acquisition was a real wise one because of the talent that we got uh, with the algorithmics people, Mina Wallace and her team. We have about 350 people that are, you know, strong, strong quants, you know, a lot of PhDs, a lot of expertise. And I think we think we're going to be able to marry them with all the data we have and come out with some very interesting products. Now, uh, would that be we hear about algorithmic funds. Would this be something that would be linked with them or is this just a way to be able to provide more information to your customers? I think it's more information to our customers in in a quant basis. You know, we also have Alps, which is a, a spider distributor as well as an asset manager. And Leighton Spar, who runs that for us, is very excited about opportunities to add some more analytics into things like interval funds. Now, when I was a hedge fund manager, sir, I really, I guess I could have desperately needed you. I did a lot of stuff that was administrative. I hated it. I hired a lot of people, completely duplicative of what you already have, and I bet you could do it cheaper. Have people discovered that the scale you have and the data you have and the protections you have and the cybersecurity you have is, makes it so that they save a lot of money if they just hire you? I believe we're, we're making a lot of traction along that. You know, I think one of the products that you used early on showed you an intraday P&L. So you could have a real-time P&L. And right. as you know, as when you make decisions as fast as people like you make, you know, you want to have stuff that's really up-to-date. Now, I, I'm just kind of uh, curious because we have to give them what's going on. Are you uh, seeing how are you able to manage your staff in the era of the coronavirus? Are you splitting people up? Do you have them in different buildings? Uh, what are you doing to make sure that you give your clients the security and protection they need in an era where uh, workers are getting sick? Well, that's that's a really good question, Jim. And it's, it's the time that we live in. You know, we have 23,000 people across 93 offices and 35 countries, and we're pretty matrixed, you know, so we have a very meshed uh, uh, technology base. And, you know, we have a thousand people in Manhattan and we have, you know, 10,000 people in India and 5,000 people around greater London. So, you know, we're used to having people work remote. We have a pretty big group in China and in Hong Kong. They've been working from home for a few weeks. And so we've been able to manage and, you know, pay attention to customer service and and, and make that our number one priority. Uh, let's question, no degradation by having people work at home, huh? Well, I, I wouldn't say that there's none. Obviously, the social aspects and the training and, and capability that you get when, the, when you have a group of bright people together is, is pretty valuable. Right. 
But given what's going on today, I would say that the degradation has been minimal. Well, that's good to know because a lot of people are. Oh, look, I, I look. The time to panic has already happened. Panic's never a strategy. I like the calm way that you are approaching things, sir. It's actually a delight during an era where I think people are really run around with the chicken head cut off. Bill Stone, Chairman CEO of SSNC Technology. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money, sir. Thank you, Jim. Right, here's a business doing okay, right? Four point six percent organic growth last quarter. Not a lot of risk when it comes to taking different positions. I don't know. Maybe we have to think about opportunity on days like today. Mad Money's back in. It is time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Time for the lightning round because we're going to start with Jack in Nevada. Jack. Hey, Jim. Thanks for your time, man. My question is on Zoetis. Look, Zoetis is humanization of pet story. More of that than livestock. That story is going to be uh, resistant to recession. However, at the same time, the stock is up gigantically over time, so I would buy it on the way down, but I do like it. Let's go to Roy in California. Roy. Jimmy Chill. The Chill Man's in the house. It's your boy Roy from San Diego. I appreciate your never-ending pursuit of finding the bull market for I'm us. not done. I'm looking for it. There's only like two or three, but I got down them. What's up? Let's go. So we've got an earnings report coming up. What's good with Coupa Software? All right, now, Coupa Software is the kind of company that's probably going to exceed the number, and people are probably going to sell it anyway because it's, this is the kind of market where, while it's a high-growth stock, it, 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 which I like, it has gone up so much over multiple years. And that's what I do want you to buy because this company does is a way for companies to save money. Wait till the report. Let's go to Dean in Nebraska. Dean. Yes, Jim. How Dean. are you this afternoon? Well, that long day, doing okay. How about you? Well, my stock is AMN Health. I... Amen, because that oh, symbol is AMN. Is that what oh, like that? How you doing? You like an AMN? Yes. And I'll tell you why, because Susan Salka is a great CEO, and that is about finding people in the healthcare system. Temporary health care. Well, could you think of a better moment for temporary health care? I don't think I can. I'm not done. I want to go to Jack in Ohio. Jack. Need your help, Jimmy. Sure. Hey, the stock has been good to me. They have a good track record of paying a dividend, which I'm already in. With the pullback, should I buy more or go in a different direction? OKE, One Oak. One Oak is, One Oak is such a good company. And Walter Hulse, who's the terrific CFO, formerly my neighbor, they do a lot of good stuff. It would be the last one, I think, that would cut, but they could cut because they're, they're talking about cutting the CapEx. Um but what am I going to do here? If you have to own one of these, how about that? One Oak would be the one to do it. It is the most conservative, but that group is uh, it, 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 it's NSH, not so hot. Let's go to Gene in Maryland. Gene. Jim, my eagle brother. BP. BP. Yeah, BP is uh, tough. Uh, my Chapel Trust owns this last oil. We have a little sliver of it, and um, it's just nasty and horrible. It stinks. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
As the market keeps getting clobbered by this pandemic, we're hunting for stocks that can work even in a much tougher environment. And I've got another one for you tonight. Remember, putting these together so that you have something that isn't just beleaguering every day. And this one I'm talking about is a new one. You probably don't know it. It's called Schrodinger. The symbol, take it down, S-D-G-R, Schrodinger. It's a company that came public a month ago, the same day as Casper, the unfriendly ghost. I told you to stay away from Casper. That stock's plunged from $11 to below $6. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters! Schrodinger's had a very different trajectory, though. This is a technology company that's often mislabeled as a biotech play because it makes tools for the life science industry. Specifically, these guys have the leading computational platform that's used to speed up the drug discovery process. And it does the same thing for the material science industry. Look, when you're trying to discover new drugs, I mean, like we frantically are for for, uh, corona, right? Frank, well, you you need to design uh, molecules, design molecules in a lab, and then you test them. Now, most of these tests fail, as we know from everybody who seems to be trying to get this one solved. Predicting how these new compounds will work is very complicated. So you have to go through the whole process. That's where Schrodinger comes in. See, they've created a physics-based computational platform that lets drug companies model how those molecules will behave with a high degree of accuracy. Obviously, the computer does it much faster than a human can, which allows farm and biotech companies to focus their efforts on the most promising compounds rather than manually testing everything. And that's how their technology can cut discovery time in half. You hear Dr. Fauci often talk about how fast things are going. It's because of tools like the ones that Schrodinger has. Because their platform is basically a physics simulator, it's useful for more than just drugs. It does the same thing for material science. Think aerospace, energy, semiconductors, electronic displays. In fact, Schrodinger is so confident in their system that they're using it to develop their own drugs. Right now, they're focused on inhibitors for targets and DNA damage response pathways and genetically defined cancers. But in the future, they're planning to expand into a whole lot of other areas. You know what? This is a great business. And more importantly, it's a recession-resistant business. The pharmaceutical industry doesn't stop searching for new drugs just because of a slowdown in the economy. If anything, a global pandemic is the kind of thing that might make them want to step up their research and development efforts. I think that makes sense. So let's talk about the action here. Now, Schrodinger's came public just over a month ago. This is a new one. It was at 17. Stock immediately jumped to 26 at the open and then closed out the first day of trading at 28 and changed. It was loved. And then by February 21st, it had soared to $50. That's what the market wanted. It was a huge winner. I gotta be honest, Schrodinger's was so strong right out of the gate that I just assumed we'd miss this one. But then Bruce, our, how smart are our callers? Bruce in New York asked me about it a little less than two weeks ago. I said I needed to do more homework because it is new. One reason I hesitated to wholeheartedly recommend it, though, is the stock was trading all the way up at 46. Thanks to the coronavirus, this thing has been crushed along with the rest of the market. As of today, Schrodinger's now trading at 35. That's right back to where it was trading only a few days after it came public. The darn thing is now down about 37% from its highs. In other words, I think you are getting a very good buying opportunity here. Of course, don't forget the usual caveats. If the market gets, keeps being pulverized, shredding your stock can go lower. It's not like it's being protected by a yield. Uh, if you think of this one, please buy it gradually on the way down. But it's got hypergrowth, and that's why I keep saying I like hypergrowth. I do think it is worth owning. Consider the financials. Schrodinger's total revenue grew at a 21.5% clip in the first nine months of 2019. Not that impressive. But when you drill down, there are two big divisions. There's software, where they license their platform, and drug discovery, where they have closer partnerships with the companies developing new compounds. The drug discovery business was on fire. It was up 231% year over year. Meanwhile, management gave us some preliminary guidance for the fourth quarter, and we saw a massive acceleration. 
acceleration. Schrodinger's forecast suggests that revenue growth sped up to more than 48% in the fourth quarter, with the slower software business up 26% and the drug discovery business more than doubling. That fourth quarter forecast is the reason why this stock caught fire after it came public. Wall Street loves ARG, or accelerating revenue growth. I think that initial rally made sense. The, the recent pullback, I'm calling it a gift here. Why? Because I speak to a lot of biotech companies, and especially because of the coronavirus, I'm asking every one of these, do you have anything good for me, please? I'm convinced that, the Schroeder, that Schroeder is the future of medicine. Let me put this business in the context of something easily accessible. The actual search for the vaccine or a cure for COVID-19. We're in a very tight timeline here, and the faster we can come up with something, well, the more it will help. Schrodinger's technology speeds up drug discovery. Seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Now, there's a reason the 20 largest biopharmaceutical companies out there all use Schrodinger's platform, and they've got a 96% retention rate. So clearly, these are very sophisticated customers, and they like what they're getting. Don't get me wrong again. Some concerns, some reservations, not yet profitable. Life science technology company is trying to become a biotech butterfly, which is tough to get your head around. If they succeed, I think they might have trouble selling their software to potential competitors. But if that happens, it means their biotech bets have paid off, which is a high-quality problem. Now, given the lack of earnings, it's tough to value it. But if you think of it as an essential arms dealer to the biopharma industry, then I think the stock could have a lot more room to run, especially after the recent beatdown. Bottom line, I don't know when anything will bottom with this COVID-19 pandemic. Nobody does. It's terrifying the markets. But I think stocks like Schrodinger represent a smart bet if you're worried about a public health crisis causing a recession. And that's why I recommend buying this one in stages on the way down. The near term is just too hard to forecast. Near term for the stock, not for the company, because I like where Schrodinger's headed. And the economic risk is a heck of a lot less than almost any company I follow. Stick with Kramer. Maybe it'll take a recession to beat this thing. If that's what it takes, it is worth it. But we will win. It's just that we have to be a lot more draconian than we have been. And that may mean that your stocks could go down in order to win. I hate to say it, but that may be the way it has to be. Like I said, as always, the bull market summer. I promise to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see you tomorrow. Our special markets and turmoil starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.